You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome into the Celtics Life Podcast been a minute since we've done an episode and if the entirety of your Celtics news consumption comes from this podcast, I would consider yourself lucky as you haven't missed much. This episode, Justin and I are going to discuss our disappointment with the Seas and their play since the All-Star break, ranging from a must-win game against the Wizards to a low-effort performance against really everyone else. To say we're disappointed is putting it mildly as our Celtics Life podcast chat has been frustrated to say the least. And while we normally temper those for our recordings of this podcast, I at least feel that that would be a disservice to our listeners. And as such, this will probably be an episode in which we really go at the team that we know and love and at the players and parties that we hold responsible. Does this mean that this team has a shot in the postseason? Should we be in the trade market this summer? Are we just overreacting? It'll all be here in this podcast. So without further ado, let's jump in. But first, I would like to thank you guys for listening. You guys have stuck by our side all this time. We'd really appreciate it if you subscribe and rate us five stars or leave us reviews and also just involve yourself on Twitter or however else you feel like it, as we'd really appreciate any viewer feedback or listener feedback, I should say, on our content and what we're talking about, and especially here about your guys' frustration as listeners with this team. Justin, we'll start off with how you're feeling with how we're doing so far. Since the All-Star break, the team has been abysmal. Uh, abysmal is a nice word for it yeah it's been a good good way to describe it i think where are you at as far as your frustration goes uh well here's the thing right about the same time as the all-star break i ended up changing around the schedule of my day and when i'm teaching classes and as a result i've been teaching a lot more in the evening and that has been causing me to miss the first, second, and sometimes third quarter of most Celtics games, only the really late ones I've been able to catch. Uh, and to be completely honest, as you know, um, I just haven't been bothering because why am I going to start watching a game when I have better things to do when it's the fourth game in two weeks where we're down 15 to 20 points in the second or third quarter? It's just – it's not even that we're down. It's who we're down to, namely just about everybody. I mean, we beat Washington, mm-hmm. but – Let's be honest, the Wizards are a team right now that 
really only a team that is trying to lose should lose to them. A Bulls team devastated, absolutely destroyed this Celtics team. A Bulls team that's one of the worst in the league, one of the worst in their in their storied franchise history. Was they trampled us with Zach Levine and and just absolutely stomped the Celtics. The last time that two players combined for seventy five points against the Celtics was something like fifteen years ago, and that was the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, it, it was unbelievable. It's 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 outrageous how bad this team has performed, how badly this team has performed over the last two weeks. And it, it's been a night and day difference from when this team is playing well to what we've seen since the All-Star break. And I think a lot of people thought that the kind of tough past of the first half of the season that was just a roller coaster was maybe behind us and that the time off would give this team a chance to really get its footing, to build the camaraderie. And it feels like the exact opposite has happened. It feels like no longer are we even treading water. We are underwater now. And as I said in the intro, are we overreacting? I don't think so. I feel like, I feel like this team is, whether it's building bad habits, I, I've talked about this as, as far as Markel Fultz goes. The fact that he adjusted his shooting form was building bad habits and probably screwed him as a player down the road because he just could not reclaim his form. He built bad habits. And this team, regardless of who you're playing, Chicago Bulls, the Houston Rockets, the Milwaukee Bucks, I do not care. You have to play hard every minute of every quarter. And this team hasn't been doing that. They haven't. It's been just abysmal play, horrible play. And it's it's been so disappointing. It's been so frustrating as fans. And you can look at any Celtics Twitter, any Celtics article, any shout box like the one on Celtics Life, and you can feel that frustration. We've been talking in our chat about how we've had so much fun covering this team for as long as the podcast has been around until this year, and especially lately. And it, it's just tough. It's hard to get behind this team. It, it doesn't feel like the Celtics that, that we've come to really, really appreciate with Isaiah Thomas, with Brad Stevens, any of the iterations of Brad Stevens Celtics have been so much fun to watch, so much, so easy to get behind, so Boston. And this team has not been. I just wrote an article that I think really sums up exactly what we're dealing with. And I didn't even mean to start writing this article. I was actually, I mean, I, I obviously chose the topic, but the, the article was on the suggestion by Boston Globe's uh, Gary Washburn that the Boston Celtics should kick the tires on Carmelo Anthony. And I know you know how I feel about Carmelo Anthony. For the listeners who yes. don't, uh, every time anyone has ever even brought up the suggestion, I'm like, no, 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 no. The team will become uh, beset with his presence as a ball-hogging, ISO-playing, constantly complaining, uh, never manning up and doing what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, and only bothering to try when it's way too late for it to even bother mattering. And it dawned on me, there's no reason not to sign Carmel Anthony because that's everybody on the Boston Celtics, save maybe two or three people. That is the Boston Celtics identity. We have become a team of Carmel Anthony's. And I'm embarrassed to say that, but it's true as far as I can see. Do you think I'm being 
a little bit hyperbolic here or, you know, other than say maybe Al Horford and recently Jalen Brown, nobody consistently shows up on a night to night basis. Well, I, I don't think that you were describing, I mean, granted I'm an SU alum. I, I don't think you were describing Carmelo Anthony there. I thought you were describing the Celtics, which you were. And and that's exactly, you're right. That is what the team has become. I, I, I wouldn't put that, that cast on mellow because I'm a big mellow fan just in general. But I would put that on the Celtics, and that's a very bad just series of descriptions to have for this team. And I I don't like it. It's been so frustrating. I, I love Jason Tatum, but his game has become this really gross game. And the Celtics has become a really gross game of just driving and, and just not letting the offense flow. It's It's forced every single time. It's Kyrie taking an iso, or it's Tatum getting the ball and kind of forcing a contested mid-range jumper or an open mid-range jumper fader that he misses. And again, I love these players individually, but they're playing as individuals. And I, I think sometimes they're able to, to get together and, and figure something out. I think that sometimes Marcus Smart is able to motivate them and, and do whatever. I, but it's just, it's become just so frustrating to watch. It's been so disappointing to watch. And I was talking to my roommate a little earlier that I've been so frustrated with my teams and I kind of laughed as I looked at a poster that I, I like taped on a 28 to 2018 on of the Red Sox world series wins and, and the Patriots have just won. And, you know, it, it's interesting how much we care when we've won so much as a city, but this is not what we're used to. This is not, I mean, we've the reason why I think Boston fans are so invested in their sports is because they're so passionate about the teams that they love. And this is not the team that the Boston fans have come to love. It isn't. I don't think that you can go to any Celtics fan right now and ask if they're happy with what we've got going on. And I don't think a single one would say, yeah, no, I'm really, I think we're really going to go far in the, in the playoffs this year. I think, I think with the most talent that we've had under Brad Stevens, this is the only time that I'd say, I don't think we can do it. I don't think that we can turn this into something. I think you put your finger on it, and that this is not a Boston brand of basketball, and that even in the it's world, not a, it's not era, a Boston brand of sports. It's not a Boston brand of sports in general. It's not. That, that's what I mean. Like even even in the wilderness era, in in the post bird uh, regimes, with a few short uh, exceptions, particularly once Paul Pierce really got into his own uh, prime. Even then, there was always a cadre of people who ground it out. They tried and they tried. And yeah, they didn't have the personnel to make it because they fired Red Auerbach and replaced it with Rick fucking Patino. But the players never gave up. And that's the thing that I think is pissing everybody off is we're watching just about everybody give up. And like, why are we going to spend our time, you know, our valuable time, Watching people slack off and think about whatever the hell's coming their way next year. I'm, I'm just not interested. And even though I know it's, you know, partially my self-appointed job to cover this, uh, at this point in my life, and I, I kind of get the vibe from all of us, we just we have better things to do than cover losers because that's what these guys have become. And I hate to say it, I'm hoping that by saying that, it filters through to them in general, you know, not just from us, but from the media in general. You know, Kyrie can rant about the media all he wants to, but if you don't like the media talking shit about your game, maybe show up and actually try.
outside. I mean, this is this is within the team. I and I I, I have been. I, Josh Coin, one of our our podcast friends, uh, one of the guys who's here on the Celtics Life podcast and is is an occasional writer on the, on the blog. He and I were talking this morning about Kyrie, and it's. I have reached a point, and I was talking about it yesterday during the Rockets game, where I've decided that I would be content with Kyrie leaving. And I've, I know these arguments, and I agree with the arguments, or not the arguments for, but I, I agree that Kyrie makes this team better on the floor. But I think he's just not a leader. I do not think he's a leader. Paul Pierce said earlier this week that Kyrie Irving cannot be the one on a championship team and i agree with paul pierce on that i i he cannot be the leader of a team and and he hasn't proved it in cleveland he was he was on a bad bad cleveland team that he didn't lead to anything until lebron got there and this celtics team the only time that it's performed at least well a lot of times has been when he's not on the court and when he's been injured and when he's been not immersed in the in the team environment. I mean, those games that that he wasn't there for during the playoffs, he wasn't there, and that's fine. I think those were teams; those were games that he was not trying to lead. He what? And I think he understood his role there that he wasn't playing, and that that was the guys' opportunity to like rally together, and they did. And this season, I think he's accepted his role as a leader, and I think he's been bad at it. And that's partially why this team is where it's at. And so. I Leadership just, is hard, man, and he's 26 is. years old. He's 26, and it's okay for him not to be good at everything. He's good at ISO uh, half-court basketball. He sucks. Well, he doesn't suck. He doesn't like to play a fast break, which is kind of, kind of a problem with much of the rest of the team being their best that way. And that's okay. We can have different styles, and we can run different sets so that way everybody's happy. That's on That's on Brad. We can, we can talk about, you know – assigning blame for this, that, and the other thing in a minute. But ultimately, you don't have to be good at everything. You can be bad at leadership and, and work at improving it. And you can say, I'm, I'm learning this. I am, he, he does seem like he has, at least until tonight, recording this on Monday night, um, he, he was mostly keeping his mouth shut until he started talking about how the media is messing up his life and how he never wanted to be a star while wearing an Uncle Drew hat. <laughs> As if that's not ironic enough. <laughs> uh, but just to, just to put a, a cork in that rant, uh, Kyrie, you're a good basketball player. You are a new leader. This is a new thing for you. It's okay to be bad at it. If you need to, get out of the way. Stop trying to lead. You don't need to have a, a leader on a team that intentionally has no captains. So stop trying to lead. Just stop. You don't need to be good at it. Be good at playing basketball and be a good teammate. Focus on that because that is literally your job. The leadership thing, if you're good at it, maybe. I'm not going to ask you this, but I'm going to say that I would rather that he leaves this summer. And I, You don't have to ask I, me because, like, let me, let me finish real quick. Uh, I have the same feeling, and that is not a good thing because I don't want – Boston to lose such a potentially valuable player. But if we have to deal with several more years of this, I don't want it. I do not want it. So if we can have Kyrie and we can have good basketball that is fun to watch, great. 
But if we have more of this coming down the pipe, I'm with you 1,000%. I want to go back to that that Boston sports comparison that I, that I made and look at the the icons that have that have made the teams that have won in Boston and you and you look at Julian Edelman a guy who's fighting back from a suspension a guy who just has has, has kind of scrapped his entire career Marcus Smart the longest tenured Celtic on this team who is no he's a he's a dog of this team you have Brock Holt, a guy who hit for the cycle against the Yankees in the ALDS, first ever postseason cycle. You have these teams that are built, the 2013 Sox, the teams that are built as this scrappy team that fights. And Kyrie has been so ungodly talented his entire career. He was the first overall pick. He was given everything, and he was he had deserved it. He was absolutely talented and absolutely what we wanted. But he's not Boston. He's not Isaiah Thomas was Boston. Isaiah Thomas was a guy who he never was given anything. He played his entire, he played his ass off every single game to earn everything that he got. He earned those Brinks trucks that he asked for. And he was, he was shunned because he asked for it because he deserved them. And I understand that the injury, I'm not saying we should not have traded. No, I get your point. I absolutely, I, the, the, the move was absolutely right. It was it was the right move. I'm not disagreeing with Danny Ainge in any capacity at all. That was the right move. I, it was a brilliant basketball move. It absolutely worked out. But Kyrie is not... Brad Stevens is a guy who fits that mold. Brad Stevens is a guy who fought, who scrapped his way to a head coaching job, who scrapped his way to be the head coach of the Boston Celtics, the head coach of Butler. And Kyrie's not. Jay Crowder was every single guy of the like revolving door of players that have come through the Celtics over the last five years. They all were. And Kyrie is not. Even the big three from 2008 on, they all, one way or another, I mean, yeah, sure, Ray Allen could always shoot, but nobody practiced more than he did. Paul Pierce literally led us through the wilderness era. And, you know, you can say what you want about KG in terms of having an equivalent level of talent or even more talent than Kyrie Irving, but. That is also something that he developed over time. And he, you know, like I'm really resistant to the whole lunch pail, blue collar, blah, 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 blah thing when it comes to superpower, like super, super team talent. Um, like I just give me the best players. And normally, normally uh, I am okay with that. Now we are in a situation here where uh, a bunch of different things are just coalescing. Here we can get into the, the, the blame stuff. I mean, we have like the media and the media is all stirred up or was all stirred up because of Anthony Davis, which may also have affected the spirit, the core of the team. And maybe that's why people's brains are where they are at, or, you know, then there's the whole thing of Brad should have been maybe adjusting to being a better manager of talent rather than an X and, X and O guy in the same kind of way that Doc was before him. Uh, and, you know, like, I, what, do you, what do you think? Is, is there, like, any even vaguely discernible, you know, reason or reasons behind this? Or is it just, like, a, a, coalesce, a coalesce, coalescing, 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 that's what I'm looking Anyways, I'm uh, really tired, but I think you guys uh, all know what I'm trying to say in that, what the hell is going on, Tolford? Do you have any theories, or is it just like all of this crap altogether? I think, and I think it stems from the fact that this team doesn't have anything to fight for. 
of that they were told that they were the best team in the East from day one, that they were told that they had everything that they could possibly need to be a championship team. The team is going to challenge the Warriors and that they still believe it. And there's there hasn't been a spark lit under this team. Every other team under Brad Stevens has overachieved because they were told they wouldn't do it, that they couldn't do it. Maybe the fact that there's not a superpower in the LeBron James Cavaliers or the LeBron James Heat in the East, that there's nothing to fight for, that there's there's not any antagonist they're looking at. They're like, we can beat them and we will. And there's not a fight and a reason to fight for it. And I feel like this team, because they were given all these expectations, because they were given all of this credit that they hadn't earned, is why there hasn't been any performance and why there, there hasn't been. It's not that they didn't live up expectations, that they were given the expectations. And they just figured we could just play. You look at Marcus Morris, who has been playing horribly, absolutely horribly since the All-Star break. And this entire season, he's been saying, like, no, I can shoot with the best of them. He's had this this confidence that right now looks awful. He was playing extremely well for us for a little while. I do not care. Play good for us. Play good for any team for every game. Come out and play hard every game. If you're having a bad game, then Stevens needs to look at anybody else. Semi. Or play defense. Go to anybody else. I would love to see. Yeah, Brad, he hit his first three in like 18 attempts. He missed like two games worth of threes. And he finally hits one, and he was just admiring it, just staring at it, just being like, ah, yeah, great, I hit it. And Brad Stevens literally grabbed him and pushed him back to go on defense. <laughs> that, that is the most selfish mindset. That is the most unbelievably selfish mindset, that, that he finally gets the bucket for himself, and rather than play for the team and get back, be like, no, I have a role. I have a, I have a job to do, which is to get back and defend my man. He was admiring the shot that he made. Congrats, you're shooting one in 19 over the course of your last three games. That that It's so inconsequential. And it's, it's unbelievable to me that he was allowed to get away with that. If I was a coach in that situation, I'd say, dude, you can't, that's not okay. I, I don't care. If he was in that cold streak, I wouldn't play him. And he can he can prove to me in practice that he can finally hit threes again and he can finally play his role. If my three's not working and I'm Marcus Morris, I'm going to stop taking them until I know that I can hit him. I'm not going to continue to just heave him up over and over again. He was airballing multiple threes a game. And and he it, it's 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 just unbelievable to me that this team is playing that selfishly and partially I think Marcus Morris is part of is I think that he's a lot larger role in that with his mentality. I think that he gets I mean I, he's a very emotional guy. And I think that can work both ways. I think that if we're playing well, he's a huge spark plug and he can be really really awesome for the team. If we're playing badly, he can be it huge detriment to the team and he can drag them down he can fight with Jalen Brown on the sideline that does not inspire your teammates and right now the team needs any kind of inspiration and Marcus Smart can't do it on his own Al Orford can't do it on his own I would love to see a starting lineup of Brad Wanamaker RJ Hunter Jalen I would love to see semi starting in the top in the five just for the purpose of Brad just throwing his weight around and saying you know what if you're not going to try I'm going to put somebody on the court who will and I would love to see those guys play their asses off and lose to the Warriors by 40. I do not care. I want to see them prove to this team that they will try harder than the starters will because they've earned their spot as starters. I agree. And that, I mean, that's, I, I don't, I don't like, I, I would love for you guys to come at me on Twitter. I would love it. Go at me at Topher underscore L. 
say whatever the hell you want to say. I stand by this because this team has been playing horribly because they're playing selfishly. They're all playing like shit because they only care about themselves. They're Carmelo Anthony's a basketball. If you're going to use Justin's definition of Carmelo Anthony, they just want to play for themselves. They want to stat pad themselves. Marcus Morris is in a contract here and he's not going to get I mean, I sure as I hope he's not re-signed by the Celtics. I don't want to re-sign Kyrie Irving. I don't want to trade for Anthony Davis because I do not like this iteration of the Celtics. And I want to go back to a scrappy team that fights for what they need, that fights for their, their future in the playoffs, that fights for the one seed. This team is content taking the three or four. I want a ring. <laughs> that's what I want. I mean, yeah, but but we're we not right, that's this not way. even a discussion right now. Yeah. That's not even that's that, that's not even a possibility right now. We're looking at a team that we're we're questioning whether they'll make it out of the first round. When was the last time? I don't remember the last time that the Celtics were quite like I when we were going into the Cavs series. The Cavs series in 2014, I think, I was saying, like, no, you know what? I think that we can give it a little bit of a run. And I was at least saying, like, maybe we'll go seven or something. You know, like I'm an optimistic fan. I am so down on this team. And I think a lot of Celtics fans are. Again, come at me at Topher underscore L. I will happily fight you on Twitter or not fight. I'm a, I'm a polite guy, but I, I, I will happily discuss this stuff. With you'll, you guys you'll, give, you'll give a friendly shove a la Marcus Morris. Hashtag CL. <laughs> Hit us up. We're looking for any kind of uh, any kind of communication from you guys, from you listeners. Uh I'll move on because I can probably. I, I, I said that we we're going to be down. It's all good. Catharsis is an important part of the grieving process. Yes. So, okay. Uh, I want to go back to that Paul Pierce stuff because he had a lot of different different things that he said over the past couple of days. Uh, I mentioned that Kyrie can't be the one, but he also says that we absolutely should not trade Tatum for Davis, which at least based on the reports at the deadline was what the the Pelicans were asking for or what they were hoping for, I guess. And what it seems like Ainge may have discussed with them prior to the deadline. Uh, what what are your thoughts on kind of everything that's happened in the last couple of days as far as Paul Pierce goes? Um, well, when it comes to trading for Anthony Davis, I can't wrap my head around it right now. I mean, if I'm going to talk about being the general manager of a team that is not the Boston Celtics and has not made me feel the way they make me feel, uh, you know, I am fully cognizant that I, I, like many of us, am completely caught up in my emotions. And for that reason, it is great that I am not a GM in charge of the Boston Celtics. Uh, Right now, I just can't think about it. I can't think about it. You know, uh, like you said about uh, retaining Kyrie. Uh, in theory, making a move almost regarding just about anybody on the roster, I I would have to say it's probably the smarter move. Now, at this point in time, uh, I kind of just want to see how the J team develops into real basketball players, like real stars. I think they have the potential. I think a lot of what we've been seeing has little or nothing to do with their own personalities and lots more, if not everything, to do with the situation that they're in. Uh, I really don't understand how in the world you could possibly expect somebody who you don't even know is going to resign and sure as fuck isn't going to be resigning with a team that looks and acts like what we have now. 
without any kind of extension or even verbal assurances at this point. Um, so for the moment, I think that uh, I couldn't possibly agree more with, with Pierce. Yeah, I agree with him. I think that that's, I want to agree with the, the Kyrie sentiment. And I also agree that it, there's not a point in trading for, for Davis. If, if we're not trying, I mean, I understand if we're, if we're re-signing Kyrie and doing all this stuff and trying to go all in on this team. Too much risk. Sure. Then I, I see, I see the value. I don't agree with it, but I see the value. But I, I think that Paul Pierce is right in that we shouldn't be trading Tatum for him. Based on what we know now, um, I don't see how he can. Like, if things turn around, if things look better, maybe I feel differently. Maybe it will make more sense in that case. But how would you even think it would be a good idea to take that big of a risk with this mess of a situation that we're stuck in? Yeah. I mean, we're already questioning whether uh, the, the, the belief that Kyrie is staying in Boston, I think, is, is continuing to falter. And if we were to trade Tatum for AD... I think that the exact same conversation would exist. And if we play poorly, I don't know why you'd stay, uh, especially considering all of the stuff that came out prior to the deadline, whether or not it was, it was made up by rich Paul or not. I don't care. I agree with some of it. And so I think it's, I think it'd just be such a risk and not, not necessarily worth its while unless we somehow build a ridiculous different team somehow around Anthony Davis. I don't know how it'd be possible. So I, I don't the think it would be very difficult to do it too. So. Yeah. So I, I don't like it. Um, and I agree with Paul Pierce with, with, I think that's the truth for a bad pun um, to try and try and bring some humor. Yeah. Try and bring some humor into this, try and cheer myself up. Uh, right now, Celtics are looking at a five seed, which would put us against the Philadelphia 76ers first round. If everything held, if the playoffs started today, uh, I think more realistically, it'll be the Pacers in the four or five seed. I think they'll probably take the four unless we somehow pull off a ridiculous uh, run in the next couple of months. Um, we're sitting two and a half games behind the Sixers. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe honestly, maybe we're going to listen back on this a couple of weeks and be like, Oh man, wh- why are they so pissed? Um, what's your ideal playoff matchup and, and kind of scenario? Is it, is it the Pacers? Is it the Sixers? We've trampled the Sixers so far this season to the tune of a 3-0 and record. Sixers, Bucks. Sixers, Bucks. You want the Sixers and then the Bucks? More or less what we have in terms of seeding now. Uh, I, I don't want to run to Toronto if we can avoid it because I think that if there is a team that could just beat the ever-living snot out of us without any ability to, to muster a response – uh, I think it might be Toronto. I, I know that we can game plan for the Bucks. We might not beat them. You know, it really depends on how good their outside shooting is versus how crazy what whether or not Giannis can unlock some kind of other level, which I suspect he can. I don't think we have seen his best this season. Uh, and God help us if he ever starts hitting a three reliably. Um I just, and you know, uh, we, we've shown already this season that even when we're not near our best, we can beat the Sixers, you know. And, you know, they still have time where they can add to the team. They have to the 13th, which is something else we can talk about briefly, uh, to add unsigned free agents. But they don't look like they're going to be able to assemble a bench that can beat us. So I'm pretty confident in running into them. Indiana is a big wild card. It really depends. Like, Matthews hasn't really worked out for them the way they had hoped. 
and they they are still doing very well. And I think that if we don't play as like, we play like we've been playing, we will lose to the Pacers. But then again, we would lose to damn near anybody we would play yeah. lately. So I have I have mixed feelings about Indiana. We we have not been as good against them uh, in the past or the season. And they seem like they have gotten a lot better, particularly defensively, uh, under the new regime. So I don't know. I kind of feel like the way the seeding is at the moment would give us the best shot of making it to the finals. Um, but I could be probably talked out of most matchups in the right situations. What do you think? I like there was a. I think a couple of days ago, back when the, the Sixers were sitting in the three spot, Pacers were in the four, I really liked that setup uh, where we'd start against the Pacers in the 4-5 matchup, Bucks second round, and then Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the Sixers. I think the Sixers actually do much better against every other team than we do. But for whatever reason, the Celtics just have their number. And so meeting them in the Eastern Conference Finals would be ideal. I also have a bet that the Celtics will get further than the Sixers for $100. So I'd really like it if they played against the Raptors second round. So I, that's that's for my own personal gain. But I liked that a lot because I, I you know, I mean, I like the Pacers. I, I'm really impressed with how they've done Sanzo Oladipo. But I, I don't think that they're a strong playoff team. And... I agree that they, they have been good against us over the course of really, I mean, co- they've always pushed us a lot harder than a lot of other Eastern conference teams have, but I, I don't, I don't believe in them in the playoffs and I would like to match up them for with them first in the four five matchup bucks. Second round is not ideal, but I mean, it's either, either them or Toronto and I'd rather them. And then whoever comes out of the, the other side of the bracket would be probably Toronto or Philly, and I wouldn't mind either of those matchups. I think the Celtics can play well against the Raptors, and if we're really rolling, then I, you know I like that a lot. But um, that'd be an optimistic view that we are rolling. So I, I don't know. Um, that's, I the, like- that's the rub right there. Is is when we are playing good, I think we can beat damn near anybody in the league. But the, the, that's the thing. When are we going to play good in the playoffs? I, yeah, I'd love to believe it, but at this point, I'm having a hard time. I also uh, I liked the three six, which was at the time Philly and then Brooklyn, and I actually liked Brooklyn in that matchup as well because they're just a scrappy team and they play hard, and I think they'd be really really tough in the playoffs. It'd be fun. So yeah, I think it'd be fun, and I think that'd be a fun matchup. I would I would enjoy that. I think that the Raptors and Bucks are going to plow through the Pistons Magic, who are amazingly in the in the playoffs right now. Um, that's probably going to change, but if we're looking at like today. And like this kind of this week, we're looking at those teams in the playoffs, and um, I, I like I like that uh, that three six matchup of Sixers versus Nets. The Pistons would get trampled, but it's fine, it's fine. So, uh, for as far as um, pickups and stuff, I had tweeted that uh, Bogut had just finished as like MVP of the Australian Basketball League. And sent it to you guys that he was looking to sign with a team. He's going back to Golden State. Uh, Milwaukee's picking up Powell. We have a lot of different movement around the NBA. And amazingly, the Celtics are not one of the teams that seem to be even interested in making any moves whatsoever. Uh, 
And I think this is it because we were talking a while ago that we should maybe pursue a guy like Perk who supposedly and Mark, Mark had emphasized that he was a rock in a locker room, which seems like something we could really use. And that he was the guy who kept the tempers from flaring during the 2008 run. See, now when you put it that way, you're just talking back out of it because it's true. He really did keep the team from murdering each other. But the problem with this team isn't that they want to murder each other. They don't even seem to care. I think they kind of, I mean, it probably goes both ways. I think that, that he was a motivator in the locker room. I don't know why I emphasize that. That was a weird way to pronounce it. <laughs> motivator in the locker room. And uh, he was a motivator. Um, <laughs> but I, I like... Not that we're trying to sign Perk. I just saw that that happened a while ago, and then he wanted a 10-day, and, and I, w- I liked that a lot, and we never pursued it. We're but not going to use it. We might as is well. Is there a person? Is there is there a guy that we bring in as just a locker room guy that's available? I mean, I don't I don't necessarily like any of the guys that are available. I liked Bogut because of just his play style. I mean, if Baines is still struggling with health, I don't mind Bogut as a, as a pickup. Um yeah, he used to be a really a great player. I, he was MVP of the Australian League. Granted, it's a step down from the it's NBA, still but still. Uh, yeah, but I mean, obviously, he's now locked up. But you know, it's we aren't really competing in this this arms race of of guys on the waivers and and the pickup in the the ten day market. Is there somebody that you see? Yeah, I think there's a couple of people that make sense, but the reason why is just because we know, and Danny has expressed this uh, explicitly, that there's no minutes to be guaranteed, and we already have some issues integrating all these different personalities and potential outcomes for these people. So that really narrowed down the field in terms of interest on the other end. You know, we might be interested in a lot of people, but... You know, not a lot of them are going to want to play between 5 and 15 minutes per game, depending on matchups, uh, and sometimes not at all. And some of them would actually be a problem, like, you know, presumably Carmelo Anthony, d- despite my uh, half-tongue-in-cheek uh, comments today to the, the opposite. But I do think that there are some people out there, like, of the international guys, I really only am interested in Jimmer Fredette, who doesn't seem especially interested in returning to the States, because yeah. I, I assume he would be okay in a, a minor role as some microwave offense. Uh, that's all I really expect of him. I can't imagine his defense has gotten any better in the CBA, the Chinese Basketball League. Um, yeah. yeah. Henri Caspi, you know, I've been on that train for a long time, and mm-hmm. he, can, he can shoot. He always plays around that range of minutes. Uh, Shane Larkin is available. Uh, you know, he would, well, he's not available yet, but he, he could. Uh, once the, the European season is over, become available. And by the 13th, I imagine it's quite possible. Uh, Marcin Gortat is another person, I think, who could be potentially interesting. I am a little worried about his adventures in the uh, the Washington Wizards uh, locker room when, when the John Wall situation was still unfolding. We didn't know how badly he was hurt. Uh, he was one of the loudest voices in the room, and maybe he deserved it. Uh, Zebo could potentially be interesting more as a locker room guy than, than a body actually making plays, though. He might still be good. He was playing last year fairly frequently until they decided the Kings decided to shut him down for actually helping them. 
And maybe Jared Jack or Emeka Okafor could be uh, interestingly, potentially useful positionally veterans who kind of ride the line between being locker room presences and, you know, break glass in case of emergency kind of guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm, none of those names really jump out to me. No, they shouldn't. As far as like guys that I really want to pick up. And, and I think that we just missed our opportunities with the guys that, that we should have been pursuing whether that's Pau Gasol, which I had a slight interest in, or or even Bogut, who I, again, had a slight interest in. And, um, you know, I, I think that for whatever reason, we're just not even looking. Well, with that, we have our California road trip coming up where the, uh, the schedule doesn't get much easier. We got Golden State coming up, and then uh, back-to-back head up to Sacramento, Northern Cali, for a matchup with our the holder of our, our pick, which we're hoping is lottery, coming up on the back second of that back to win win lose better pick, you know yeah. uh, that's the best bet I can put on that. And then we had to L.A. for two games in the Staples Center. Got the Lakers on Saturday and then the Clippers on Monday. Uh, not a good outlook. Fortunately, the Lakers are performing about as well as we are. <laughs> at least at least in terms of single game style goes so that's its own Small thing. consolation sure i'm actually going to that game and i feel like i'm watching a bad matchup <laughs> which is interesting like i'm gonna watch two bad teams it's gonna be like a hawks nets matchup or something from like two years ago i'm so sorry tofer so that was like a good game yeah we'll see what happens uh before that you guys can always check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We appreciate it if you head to the site and look at all our stuff from our content to our articles and also all our links at the top where we have a variety of shirts and hoodies in our store. And you can get tickets to any of those games in California if you're out there on the West Coast. You can also find the pod on Wooshka, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and any podcatcher app that you use. And if you subscribe, you won't miss any of our awesome episodes. Hopefully you won't be as mad on our next episodes. I apologize for that. Or sad. And uh, if you do like what you hear, you want me to be more animated like this again, we can always use five-star reviews and comments if you're really excited about it. If you don't like something, you have a suggestion, make sure to let us know with a comment on any of our Celtics Life articles or on Twitter with our hashtag CLPod. I'm serious. I want you guys to come at me with your tweets at Topher underscore L. And we just want to bring you guys the Celtics coverage that you want just the way you like it. Justin, thanks for bearing with my anger this episode. I really appreciate it. Like I said, man, catharsis is part of grieving so we can move on to a better future. Yep, we'll get there. I'm, I'm starting to feel more optimistic, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> I'm tired. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.